0: Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I hope we are all doing well On this morning the second Sunday of Advent uh, Advent this time of anticipation and waiting and watching and hope the Advent wreath the symbol of that waiting with its lit and its unlit candles showing how far we've come in the season and how far we have left to go before the coming of our Lord it is really a great visual Uh, come to us by way of some German Lutherans around the 1920s and standing for the four Sundays, right? In our day, the four Sundays of Advent have come to stand for hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love in that order. So that would make today, the second Sunday of Advent, peace, right? That should be the theme that we see throughout our lectionary, and that should be really what my sermon is all about, right? But these readings. Today's readings are sort of anything but peaceful. I'm not saying there's no peace to be found. I really think there still might be, but Advent is really anything but peaceful. Jesus's birth took time, took place in a time that was anything but peaceful. We live in a world that is anything but peaceful. And I think trying to spin Advent, especially today's readings in Advent, into something peaceful is doing a disservice to the text and a disservice to that world that we live in. In the medieval era and for centuries afterward, the four Sundays of Advent did not stand for hope, peace, joy, and love. They stood for the four last things. For death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Real cool. The season of Advent, as is clear in our readings, is not just about the birth of Jesus. Of course, it is about the birth of Jesus, but it's also about the second coming of Jesus, right? When he shall come again with trumpets sounding to complete and inaugurate the full kingdom of God where all things are made new. That's what Advent is about the birth of Christ, and the second coming, the beginning and the end. The four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, seem more than a little appropriate for the readings and the focus of this season, especially when we look at our world today. But that has always been the case. The world has always been on fire Literally or metaphorically, people are always at war with one another. They're always hurting, suffering, grieving, looking for hope on the horizon, a light shining in the darkness, a light that the darkness cannot overcome. Hope is clearly the central theme in our Advent season, but as Reverend Fleming Rutledge puts it, hope is a very meager concept if it is not measured against the malevolence and godlessness of the forces that assail the creation and its creatures every day. So today, as you may have gathered from this lengthy introduction and the historical explication of Advent Sundays, I wanna talk about the second of these two, of these four last things, judgment. I wanna talk about what sits at the meeting of judgment And the repentance that John the Baptist was calling for. Repentance in preparation for the coming of Christ. And I want to talk about how seeing ourselves rightly. Seeing the world rightly for what it is. For what we are without any of the lenses and filters we use to dress it up. Or make it seem better than it is. Can actually give us this ironclad hope and peace to hold on to. A way to see the light flickering in the darkness that even the deepest night cannot overcome. So judgment, a terrifying word, yes. A horrifying prospect, no. But why? I think because this notion of judgment, the prospect of judgment, has come to be synonymous with condemnation or punishment. But is it? Is judgment the same thing as condemnation or punishment? I don't think so. It's not the same in the Greek, in the New Testament, and it's not the same in our language today. Categorically, judgment is not condemnation. Condemnation and punishment can be the outcome of judgment or a judgment, sure, but judgment itself is something entirely different. Judgment is simply calling a thing what it is seeing something rightly as it is. Judgment, more than anything, is about dropping the pretenses and being honest about what something is or how it is or where it stands. It's about being honest, telling the truth. John three seventeen, the one right after the big one. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Our God stands ready and willing to judge us, to see us as we are, broken, hurting people, and not to condemn us, but to save us. Judgment is a terrifying prospect because we can't control the narrative. We can't control the flow of information, but how liberating and freeing it actually is when we can drop all of our masks be the person we actually are the person that lives somewhere behind our face as frederick beekner puts it and stand before a god who already knew it and still loves us so how does the repentance that john calls for in our gospel fit into all of this john the baptist whose camel hair vestments Locust and honey diet and shouts for repentance simply do not fit behind the cardboard doors of our advent calendars, does he? But I am striking no new ground here when I say that repentance is not necessarily about penance or feeling bad about what we've done. Sometimes it is, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the word repentance, metanoia, for my Greek freaks in the crowd, is a changing of our minds. It's a shifting of perspective, a reversal of a decision, a choice to see things differently, do things differently. That is repentance. It's not self-flagellation or walking around under a storm cloud of our own guilt. It's changing our minds, doing and seeing things differently. I I read a book about a month and a half ago, and uh, I read a lot of books. These glasses are not just for show, but rarely do I read a book that so shifts the way I think about myself or others, that so changes the way that I see the world at work around me. The book is called Low Anthropology. It's by a guy named David Zoll. He's an Episcopal lay person who lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, and it is all about how a low anthropology is actually the unlikely key to a gracious view of others and ourselves. Anthropology, the study of humans, is all about how we see ourselves and other people. And he makes the argument that having a low anthropology, a lower, more realistic view of humanity is actually better than a high anthropology, which is this expectation for humans to be more than we are or more than we're able to be. He outlines three pillars of a low anthropology, limitedness, doubleness, and self-centeredness. I know this sounds like a tough sell, but stay with me. Uh, limitedness, because people are bound by their limits, what they can and cannot do, the life that they've led, etc. Doubleness, because all people, regardless of who we are, where we grew up, what education we have or do not have, as Paul says in Romans, we do the things that we don't want to do, and we don't do the things that we want to do. That is so utterly human and self-centeredness because at the end of the day, we are, as we always are, tied to ourselves. We live here. I know that this sounds like an indictment or a condemnation, but I think if we sit with it, we can see how freeing it is. It is a judgment, yes, but it is not a condemnation. It is seeing ourselves and humanity rightly, judging correctly, telling the truth, being honest about who, what, and how we are. And if we're honest, it's simply exhausting to pretend like we're not. It takes too much energy, and it's just not worth it when we're already loved as is. I don't share that just as a book recommendation, but because it outlines something that I think is repentance. Repentance. Seeing ourselves truly as people who are limited, double-minded, and self-centered is a freeing thing. And it's only here when we're honest with ourselves that we can turn to see the hope that we might be something more, something else, a new creation. This is repentance. Changing our minds, seeing ourselves correctly and others correctly, seeing the world correctly, not expecting people to be more than they are, not expecting ourselves to be more than we are, that is repentance. Changing our minds, shifting our paradigms to something that is true, not because we don't want to be more, but because we realize we can't be outside of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And this is judgment. Judgment being honest and seeing ourselves in the world honestly as people who are broken and hurting and suffering, incapable of doing and making change on our own. This is repentance, believing that truth, trying to, acting like it's true because it is, and then living like it. So where is the hope? This is Advent, and while I think we ought to focus on the four last things, because those last four things are always with us, hope is still the central and abiding theme of this season, and hopefully of our whole lives. And I have just gone about and outlined a vision of judgment and repentance that basically says we're not as good as we like to think we are, and we ought to stop acting like it, so where is the hope? here. I think it's here. In our Acts Bible study class, we just went over a portion of Acts chapter three where the apostle Peter is giving a speech to a crowd after a healing miracle about how we are still waiting for the ultimate restoration of all things. But we're not there, and while we wait, we can experience, we do experience what he calls moments of refreshment. I can stand up here and say that we're all broken people who have hurt and been hurt by people who are limited, double-minded, and self-centered, and I can know that's true, and I can also know that because of the influence and impact of Jesus Christ on my life, that is not the last truth. I can see how my relationships with people who have hurt me and whom I have hurt have gotten better, have been restored because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I can say that. I can know it's true, feel it deep in my bones, and still know that I am going to hurt people. These are moments of refreshment, but they're not the end. The end that we are waiting for, hoping for, looking for, is ultimate restoration, when I won't hurt people anymore, and they won't hurt me. When the wars will cease, and we won't have to weep over bombed-out hospitals. Or over children separated from their parents and shootings and violence and everything else that tears our hearts open and makes us feel like there's no good left in the world will end. But we see it, that candle flickering in the darkness, that one that teaches me how to restore my relationships, the one that illuminates families being reunited after being lost to one another, and people taking care of complete strangers in the absence of anyone else that could care for them. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, no matter how deep and dark it actually is, cannot overcome it. That's the hope. These moments of refreshment in an otherwise broken world point to a time when the brokenness will be restored. When every tear will be wiped away and all things are made right, brought back to life, to their wholeness, but we're not there. Judgment, not condemnation, judgment. Seeing things rightly, honestly, seeing people and things as they are is the first step to being able to hope. Denying the existence of pain and suffering, downplaying it, avoiding it is a cheap imitation of hope. Because it's not hope at all. It's willfully naive and anemic optimism. Hope, real hope, judges rightly and struggles forward, knowing the pain and the hurt and the fear and the anxiety is all real, but it struggles anyway. That struggle is repentance. Believing, hoping that there really is something coming, something more, something on its way, that Jesus really is coming Is repentance and for now it's Advent and as Karl Barth says the church has no season but Advent and we have no season but Advent because here we sit in the darkness of a broken and a breaking world always looking at a flickering candle judging and repenting and looking forward to that day when our God will come and all things will be made new. Amen.